Welcome to another episode of Pandemic Parenting with Pep, a podcast designed to help parents thrive, not just survive, this extra stressful period of parenting through the COVID-19 pandemic. I'm your host, Robbie Fox, a certified parent educator with the Parent Encouragement Program, or PEP as it's commonly known. PEP has been providing proven positive parenting education for nearly 40 years through in-person and online classes, and more recently has been offering free webinars and other resources to parents and caregivers struggling with life's current demands and stresses. You can access all of these resources through PEP's website at pepparent.org. This episode of the podcast is is something of importance to each and every one of us, our mental health and that of our children, especially in light of the pandemic and other current events in our country and our world. Are the kids all right? Are we all right? And what can we do if the answer to either of those questions is no, not really. I'm joined today by Rachel Larkin, a licensed clinical social worker and director of crisis prevention and intervention at EveryMind a nonprofit in the Washington DC area dedicated to strengthening communities and empowering individuals to reach optimal mental wellness. In this role, Rachel oversees hotline services where trained staff and volunteers provide supportive listening, information and resource referrals and crisis intervention through telephone, text and chat services. Last September, I actually began training to become one of the staff members who takes calls, chats and texts from people of all ages who are struggling in some way mentally or emotionally and need a little extra support. So I can say firsthand that the work these staff members and volunteers are doing is vitally important and oh so necessary today more than ever. Much of what was covered in the training and that Rachel discusses in this podcast is information that's been discussed in our PEP classes and programs, including the concepts of reflective listening, open-ended questions and consequences around technology use. But viewed with a perspective of how these concepts impact our children's mental health, in my eyes, makes it even more useful and pertinent to parenting today. Rachel, thank you so much for joining me today. I know it continues to be a very busy, hectic, uh, somewhat stressful time in the realm of crisis and um, crisis services. So thank you for taking the time to join me. My pleasure. Um, All right, so let's just start it off with what are you currently seeing at every mind with regards to the mental health of our children and young adults? Well, it's been really interesting. Um, you know, we do phone, text, and chat. And what we have seen is really um, since COVID, we're seeing a huge uptick in the number of 13 to 17 year olds re- reaching out, and then also um, 12 and under. Um, you know, it's not surprising to have a nine or 10 year old who's suicidal. But the 13 to 17 year olds are really struggling. Their lives are very different than they're supposed to be right now. They're, they're struggling with not seeing their peers and interacting with their peers. They're struggling at being home with their parents 24 seven. I mean, no matter how much you love your parents, being with them 24 seven is gonna be a lot. Um, yes. You know, they're struggling with their identity. At, you know, this time of life and their development, they're supposed to be di- differentiating from their parents, becoming their own person, experimenting with new ideas and personas. And it's hard to do that when you're in your house 24 seven with your, your siblings and your parents. Um, so they're really struggling. We're seeing a lot of um, suicidality, self-harm, um, self-medication with uh, substances. Um, and it's very interesting because you know, going out and smoking pot, let's say with a group of friends is a very different experience than being so anxious that you're smoking pot alone in your room. And the impacts that you, you see 
on mental health and coping styles. Um, the, we're hearing a lot of kids are self-harming. So I feel like the overall feeling is that they're trapped um, and there's a, a lot of hopelessness. You know, this, this has gone on a lot longer in this country than it's gone on in a lot of other countries. And it's hard to say, yes, it's gonna be over one day and believe it because um, it has gone on for so long. I know I'm seeing a lot of kids um, on the chat line on my shifts because I work the afternoon, 12 to 4 Eastern time. A lot of kids are chatting while they're actually in class. Some actually in, in a classroom, not all of them mm -hmm. are virtual and a lot while they're, while they're doing virtual. And I, I, I find that, is that something that's unique to this time, to this pandemic? Well, we were starting to see that before the pandemic too, but I feel like now um, we're seeing a lot of it. Um, you know, in a, in a sense, it's a good thing that they're reaching out for help. I think that, that's positive. And, and, you know, there's a lot of celebrities and, and, and YouTube celebrities and famous people that are sort of talking more about their mental health. And I think that's really been great because it's destigmatizing for the kids. Where the struggle is, is that mental health is less stigmatized for kids, but parents haven't really caught up yet. So it, what breaks my heart is that when they go to their parents and they say that they're struggling and their parents say, you're just being dramatic or you don't really know how hard it is. You don't really have anything hard going on in your life. Why are you so upset? Or um, you don't really need a therapist. You just need to suck it up. And, and I think parents have a lot of good intentions. And I think, you know, when you've lived through a lot and you're struggling to pay your mortgage and you've got trying to put food on the, on the dinner table, you know, your kid getting kicked out of their world of Warcraft group might not seem like the end of the world to, to you. Why would your kid be suicidal over this? But they can be, and it can have a real mental health impact. So for, I think that's where a lot of um, the divide is right now is, is that sort of kids are getting more accepting of talking about mental health issues and, and opening up um, about what they're struggling with. But um, us adults need to catch up and feel that level of comfort with it as, as well. Yes, I'm definitely, I've had a, a number of those teens who are kind of complaining or, or venting, I should say, about their parents and not feeling understood and not feeling like they're being taken seriously. And as a, a parent of three now young adults, I can't help but think back, oh my gosh, was I like that? And chances are I probably was because we think, oh, you think you have something to worry about? You have nothing, you know, you, you, have, you have nothing you should be complaining about, but in their world, their perspective, it is so important to them. And um, as parents, yes, we have, might have bigger concerns, but we always have to kind of shrink it back down to their world and, and what they're facing. So I definitely am seeing a fair amount of that with the, the um, teens I've been chatting with on the line. So we talked a little bit about the effect of COVID. Um, what are there, what other impacts has the pandemic and kind of other news of the day affecting um, the state of mental health in general? Uh, well, I think the Black Lives Matter movement made a big impact. Um, you know, there's a lot of kids of color out there that are struggling with their safety and their place in the world and their mental health. Um, you know, it's just a constant news cycle of rough stuff. I mean, people were reaching out last Wednesday when the, the Capitol was invaded. Um, by rioters. Um, I remember there was a big bump when Justice Ginsburg died. Like young people these days are much more connected to what's going on in the world. Um, you know, I'm Gen X, so we were kind of like everything sucks, you know. Um, uh, we were sort of more of a, um, a generation where we're like, 
we, we weren't so passionate about making the world a better place um, when we were that age. And they are, they care about the environment. They care about politics. They care about their fellow man. And that it's, it's really hard for them. And, it, and it, it's very stressful. And, you know, we have a lot of young people who are discovering who they are. And so their gender identity might be different than the one that they were born with. And I think we're hearing a lot about kids saying, you know, my parents aren't accepting that I'm non-binary or they don't use the pronouns I want to use. Um, so that is a struggle as well. And it's just, a, it, it's, it's a hard time. There's so much change going on and it's really impacts kids' mental wellness. Um, we hear a lot about technology, um, the technology's impact on mental health. And especially there's lots of talk about social media and video games and those things increasing anxiety and depression in our youth. Um, what do you see regarding the, act, the impact of technology on our kids' mental health? So this is a really interesting one because a couple of years ago, I started getting a lot of questions about it. People were like, it's all social media's fault, right? You know, it's, it's all, our kids are, are, the suicide rate for kids is going up because of social media. And there was, um, there was a, an early study where it, the, the author kind of pointed to that. Um, but that study, um, uh, Twinge, Twinge, I think was for the Atlantic, um, would show that social media was um, impacting kids' mental health. But, you know, more recent work has shown quite the opposite. And it, it's really dependent on the kid, right? Mm -hmm. So if your kid's already depressed and already has self-esteem issues, then going on Instagram and looking at everybody who is thin and popular and beautiful and airbrushed might contribute to their feelings of depression and anxiety. But, you know, if your kid isn't struggling with that or has some other issues, they can find a, a good community of people that they can reach out to. Um, a lot of kids, um, we have a lot of gamers that work for us. You might know some of them. Um, and they are talking about Twitch, um, which is where you can go on. And again, excuse me, I'm not really up to date on a lot of this stuff, but you go on and you watch other people play video games mm -hmm. and then you could talk to them. And what they were telling us is that like, you know, kids were, were talking to these guys, you know, playing World of Warcraft or um, uh, Fortnite in Idaho saying, hey, I'm being bullied at school and what do you think I should do? So kids are, are reaching out on these platforms to, to, to get help from strangers. And part of it, what's great about social media is the disinhibition effect. And uh, you've experienced this because you've been on chat. Because it's not face-to-face, -face, because you don't have that overwhelming like social pressure, kids will put out their business on the internet in like two seconds. Like, you know, you, you're two minutes in a conversation and you know they've been sexually assaulted and they want to kill themselves or they're having trouble with their gender identity and they're self-harming or whatever it is. Because there's something about the anonymity of the internet and that distance it gives you that makes it feel a little safer. So they are using the internet in a lot of positive ways to get themselves support, to find their people, so to speak, you know, to find you know, um, they love K-pop and nobody in their town loves it, but they can find a community of, of, of kids online who they can spend hours talking to about it. And that's a great distraction from the, the, the hard stuff of the day. So it really is how it impacts your individual kid. And that's something you just have to talk to them about. One of the things I warn parents about though is one of my uh, parts of my job is I sit on the child fatality review team for our county. And we review every child that dies under 18 and the circumstances around it. And one of the things I like to warn parents about is don't punish your child by taking away electronics and access to the internet. And it's an easy 
thing to, to want to do as a parent. I have elementary school kids and one of the easiest things to do is say, you know, clean up your room or you can't play on the iPad later, right? Um, mm-hmm. Or stop hitting your sister if you want to play, you know, um, Roblox, what, whatever it is. Um, but first of all, kids are more, their cognitive development is a little bit different. They're, they see the world more in black and white. So when you take away their phone and say, you're being punished and you can't be on your phone for a week or whatever, that, to them, that's forever. And it's overwhelming and it can cause suicidality. So if you want to use access to the internet to punish, it can't be absolute. So maybe it's, you can only go on 10 minutes every hour after you finish your homework, but to say you can't go on at all for a week is completely overwhelming. And it's cutting off kids to, from their coping skills, from their sources of support. You know, maybe the way they deal with when they have overwhelming anxiety about whatever test they have coming up is they go on and they watch you know, asthma videos, or they watch their favorite, you know, makeup tutorial, whatever it is. And that's how they relax and calm themselves down. And you don't want to take away their coping skills unless you have other coping skills that they can use instead. Right. I think as parents, you know, are, are, we think I'm going to hit them where it hurts because then that's going to get their attention. (laughs) You know, that's that's going to get the outcome that I necessarily want as the parent. But, you know, at PEP, we, kind of, we talk about the four C's that everybody needs. You want to mm-hmm. feel like you have connection, you want to have courage, you want to feel as if you count and as if you're capable. And what I'm hearing you say is technology in its different forms can in some ways provide our kids with those, with some aspects of those four C's, certainly the connection to other people, especially right now and, you know, during the pandemic and everyone's, you know, in semi-lockdown. Um, and, and also the ability of capability. If you can get good, if you can get accomplished that next level of the video game, um, it can kind of compensate for the fact that you're not doing well in math class right now. Mm-hmm. And okay, I'm not completely stupid. I can, at least I'm good at, at something and we can kind of build, help them build on that. Yeah. Kind of, that, that's, that's sort of what I'm hearing you say. Yeah, it's positive. Um, and it's, I think it's a conversation that parents need to have because we don't, I don't think we always recognize what they're getting from it, right? What what, you know, we talk about on the hotline when we talk about what, you know, when there's negative coping, like let's say they're self-harming or they're, you know, using substances, we talk about, you need to ask, you know, what is good about this before you ask about what's bad about it. So you can really get a full understanding of why that person is turning to that negative coping, but you can use that conversation for anything like, okay, you really love playing Roblox. Tell me what you love about it. What do you get from it? What makes you happy? What, what is your sense of accomplishment? And then you can see how to use that as a tool and maybe, yes, you can hit them where it hurts, but maybe it's to reduce it. Or, you know, I, I as a parent need you to finish your homework before you play. So let's figure out how much time you think you've got two hours of homework. We've got three hours before bedtime. How can we divvy up what you wanna do and what I need you to do together? Um, rather than sort of saying all or nothing. Because when kids hear all or nothing, right. they, they really read it as all or nothing. Right. And hitting them where, where it hurts is kind of the idea of, I'm going to make you for, feel worse mm-hmm. and, and to motivate you to do better. And that's not doesn't how work. it works. No. Yeah. It doesn't work that way. You, you talked already a little bit about how the anonymity of chat mm-hmm. is encouraging youth to, to reach out more. So in that way, technology is also having a positive impact because um, they're, they're utilizing that to, to get the help that they need that they couldn't necessarily voice out loud. Yeah, I have a great story about that. Actually, we had a call the other day from a woman and she was holding her sobbing 16-year-old daughter 
in her arms and she reached out um, over chat to ask about her daughter's suicidality. So her daughter couldn't tell her face-to-face that she was feeling suicidal, Mm -hmm. Um, but literally she dictated to her mom what to type into the chat about how she was feeling and what was going on. Um, and so mom was kind of going back and forth and, and the chat person, you know, processed it with the daughter and the mom. And it was a very kind of surreal experience for the mom, but it was a very um, a- amazing one as well, because she got to hear all about what was going on in her daughter's um, mind. She got to hold her daughter in her arms and, and, and be witness to her pain and then have a better understanding, even though the, so the daughter couldn't say the words directly to her mom's face, but she could type it out. And so they use sort of chat as that. And we, we encourage young people all the time when they're afraid to tell their therapist, because we have so many people who have therapists and don't tell their therapist what's going on. And we're like, can you screenshot this and, and email it to them? Can you print it out and give it to your mom? If you're afraid to tell your mom, you know, that you're, that you're gay and um, maybe just print it out and leave it for your mom to find and, and, and give, you know, your mom a chance to digest it. So you don't have to have that face-to-face com- conversation and everybody be on edge and, and have that element of surprise. So it's, it's technology can really be helpful. Um, you know, I was talking to a neighbor the other day about, about her, her middle school son. And, you know, she was having trouble talking to him. Like, have we, have we tried texting him? And she started laughing, but like, he did actually respond Uh to, to the text where he wouldn't respond, you know, face to face. So, you know, we as parents can sort of um, use that technology to our, to our advantage sometimes. Right, right. As frustrating as it can be, as, as tired as our thumbs can get. Well, <laughs> I, I've used that um, that tip a number of times on chat already, Rachel, what you just talked about in terms of, can you show your therapist a copy of this discussion or can you give this to your parent or, and it's amazing because like, well, oh yeah, yeah, I can do that. And um, hopefully they have, and it's opened the doors. We don't, unfortunately, you know, don't get to follow up uh, with these people, but um I, you, you get the sense that it's something they're very excited to try at least. Um, it's, it's important to keep in mind too. It, I find this fascinating. There's a study that came out a couple years ago about um, reading faces and emo- the emotions in people's faces. And what they found is young people, even up to age like 22, 23, mm-hmm. aren't reading emotions correctly, correctly or, or the way adults read it. How about that? Mm-hmm. And what adults may read as a neutral expression or, um, you know, not angry or not upset. Young people read as angry or upset. So a lot of times parents are like, I'm not yelling at you or I'm not mad at you. And the kids are hearing, but you you look mad and you sound mad to me. So it's, it can be hard. And that is where just handing you a a screenshot or a printout is a lot easier because you don't have to look at somebody's face and there's not that misinterpretation or the, um, you know, I I don't look, I don't feel mad, but you're seeing me as mad kind of thing. Um, So that's, very interesting because you know, we've talked about that study in, in our uh, thriving teens classes at PEP the, that they lose the ability to read emotions um, between like 12 and 21, I think was what I had had read. And you see parents have aha moments about that. They're like, oh my gosh, yes, this is why she's always saying, stop yelling at me. And I'm <laughs> not yelling at her, you know? So that is a helpful, I think, thing for parents to keep in mind. So it's not uncommon for our tweens and teens to become more moody, right? It's part of the hormonal developmental process um, or to want more privacy because they're trying to individuate and separate, like you mentioned. Um, When should parents be concerned that there's more than that going on? Are there any things they can look for? So when there's a change, right? You know your child. 
and you know when they're being a moody teen, but when it's more or it's different or they seem more secretive or, you know, things that they normally like, maybe they always shut the door and they don't want to talk to you, but they always talk to their little sister or they let the dog in and, you know, and when that changes, that's when you know something's going on. Um, you know, again, it's, you know, the, the normal things, they're not eating or they're eating all the time or they're sleeping more or not sleeping at all. Um, insomnia is a huge, there's a huge link with insomnia and suicidal, suicidal thoughts. Mm -hmm. um, it's not just not being able to fall asleep, but it's waking up a lot. There's a strong link with nightmares. So, you know, how is your kid sleeping? Um, what's, what's, is, is there a change in how they're sleeping? Again, because we know teenagers' biological clocks are very different than ours, right? They, they're naturally supposed to stay up later and sleep later. Um, but it, is there a difference? Um, and one of the things that's really hard for parents, because they might be the last to hear about it, is, is there a change in how they're engaging with people? And all their friends might know that they have, you know, dropped out of the Fortnite group, or they're not posting online, or they're posting, um, talking about self-harm, but parents might not see it or, or be witness to it. So it can be a little bit of a struggle there. Um, and you don't want to be the police, right? Right. I was reading a chat the other day and the, and the kid was overwhelmed because the mom read every email that the kid sent and received um, was, would literally like draw, like the, the person would hide the chat every five minutes because the mom come, came by to see what was they're looking at on the screen. So there's a level of, it's hard to, you know, there's so much bad stuff out there and you want to keep your child safe, but there's also a level of trust. Um, and the, the kids don't feel, might not feel competent or feel like they can express themselves as mom's checking what they're on every five minutes. Um, so it's, it's a real, it's really hard to be a parent right now. It's a real balancing act um, to figure out how to keep your child safe and, and then also give them the space they need to be themselves and express themselves. And parents have their own mental health that they have to take care of. Yeah. While, you know, some working from home and doing, helping their kids with virtual school and everything else. So yeah, there's a lot, lot that, that impacts all of that. Um, if they have concerns, if they notice some of these little changes that you mentioned, how do you suggest they kind of handle it initially in regards to their discussions about mental health? Well, one thing is you don't want to wait to talk about mental health until you think there's a mental health issue. It should be something that should be a dinner table conversation quite often. And with all the celebrity news and, 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 and sports, sports figures in the news talking about their mental health, um, it's a great opportunity to bring it up at the dinner table. Like, did you hear about Michael Phelps and his struggle with depression? What do you think about that? You know, how do you, do you have any friends that struggle with that? Um, if the conversation is kind of ongoing, then it's less taboo when you have to bring it up. But I think one, um, never sit the kid down across the table from you. That's too intimidating. If you have a concern about your child, I would really um, go for a walk, go for a drive when they're in the back seat and you're in the front seat or they don't, you don't have to be face to face and just be like, you know, I, I love you and you just don't seem yourself lately. Um, is anything going on? And they, they're probably gonna say, no, at first I'm fine. No, I'm fine. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, and then talk about like, you know, sometimes people struggle and sometimes they need a little extra help and I'm here for you and, and you don't have to worry about me freaking out um, if you're struggling with something and, and then open the door a crack and then come back and open the door a little bit more of a crack and keep on coming back. And one of the tricks we teach on the hotline, as you know, is open-ended questions. Yeah. So, um, you know, did you have a good day today? Yes or no? 
what was the hardest part of your day today? Like if you ask the question a little differently, you get a little bit more information. And again, I have elementary age kids and I pick them up from school every day. And I, you know, I'm, I'm, I ask these questions and then my husband comes up to dinner at night. And he's like, how was your day? Fine. Like, well, you didn't, you didn't hear about, you know, the, who, you know, who dropped the, 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 the juice box in class and it went everywhere or why, you know, somebody can't find their purple colored pencil. Um, and it's because the way you ask the questions can get more information and it should never feel like an interrogation. And we also, as parents need to model self-care in our mental health. So we need to, when we had a long day, we need to say, wow, I'm really stressed. My boss was really on my case today. I had to do a lot of data. You know what I'm going to do tonight, everybody? I'm taking an hour for myself and I'm going to go take a bath because I need that to feel deal with my stress and modeling, mm -hmm. modeling that we are not perfect and that we feel stress and depressed and anxiety too makes it okay for our kids to come to us because they're not failing us. Cause this is something that just happened, you know, cause it happens to everybody. So right. when we show that we struggle too, um, it's like with little kids, you, you have to teach them that it's okay to fail because they get so afraid of failing that they won't do anything at all. And it's, and it's the same thing with mental health. It's okay to feel badly. It's okay to, to feel depression or anxiety or so overwhelmed. And we need to show how, when we struggle with that, because we all do, right? good ways to handle it. Because it's also a good way to start the conversation. It's like, oh, mom had a bad day and she's pretty frustrated and upset and she's going to go eat some chocolate and take a bath. Okay. You mm -hmm. know? Maybe that's something I should think about next time. Or maybe, maybe mom's not so different after all. She has bad days too. Right, right. And those are positive self-care ways yeah. of handling the stress versus negative. I know, you know when we engage in those conversations on chat or by phone saying, you know, what, what's an activity that you enjoy doing that, you know, and, and the, well, you know, I used to draw or I used to journal or, you know, Sometimes I'll take my dog out for a walk. It's like, well, you know, is that something you think you have time for today? And you, you see that kind of, yeah, yeah, I, I think I could. And just to have them do something that takes their mind off at least for a little bit and says, you know, you need to do that. You need to take care of yourself. Do those mm -hmm. things that feed you. Um, and self-care is not selfish. I know that's a phrase we hear all the time, but kids, a lot of, a lot of high achieving kids worry about being selfish and worry about, I don't deserve to have time for that. You know, I, I, I got a B plus. So therefore I need to put an extra hour in of work instead of taking a break and letting myself relax. And so I can, right. you know, my brain can digest a little bit. Right. Um, reminding kids that, that, that is not that. And, and for them, maybe playing Roblox or Fortnite for, for 25 minutes is their self-care. And so we have to talk about, again, does this make you relax? Does this make you feel better? Then this might be something that's positive for you to do. And right. also what else can you do besides play Fortnite for 25 minutes? Yeah, right. You know? And then reminding parents too, you said self-care is not selfish to put their oxygen mask on first before yes. putting it on their child. You have to feed yourself. You have to take care of yourself in order to, to have something to give to others. Um, you know, another thing, a concept we talk about at PEP too is the, the idea of social interest and how you helping someone else can make you feel better. You don't want to, do a hundred percent full diet of it. But, you know, there's, I feel like we almost always can find someone who we feel is in a worse situation than we are and being able, and I, you know, and I can say that from helping on the chat line or hotline. Yes, it can be emotionally draining and it can be stressful, but when you hang up, you know, or finish a chat or a call with someone and they're like, you thank you. I cannot thank you enough for how much you helped me today. 
you know, it does make me feel better. You know, it makes me feel like whatever I have to face the rest of the day. So there is that concept of social interest as well, right? Mm-hmm. And that's another thing too. Like if you, um, I, I like to challenge when I go speak to, to groups of younger people, I, want, I challenge them like when you're feeling badly, but you go on Instagram, I challenge you to spend 10 minutes leaving nothing but positive comments on people, other people's sites. Because again, it's that same concept. Now right. you're feeling bad, but if you could say great dress or you look fantastic in that photo and you know, or whatever, that looks like so much fun. Or if you could spend 10 minutes just, just putting a little bit of positivity out in the world, you'll feel more positive as well. Right. Um, cause it's easy to be snarky. It's easy to be negative. It's easy. Cause again, that, that you're hidden behind the internet. So you can be as, um, you know, there was one person we had that was reaching out and felt tremendously guilty because they had been really, really very negative on a, a minor celebrity's website and, and, and social media pages and felt really bad about that. But at the time, putting that celebrity down made them feel better. And then we talked about, you know, how to, how you can sort of go online and, and be positive rather than and doing it. So you don't have that guilt and, and you don't feel terrible later. Um, and that, that you can use that, that power of societal good. Right. The power of the attitude of gratitude. <laughs> yeah. Positivity. Yeah. But like, it can't be like a whole day, you know, like that toxic positivity. You cannot go through your whole day and be super happy and super positive about everything because you know what? You're going to spill your coffee. You know, the dog's going to bark at the wrong time. Um, right. Things are going to happen. So you, the pressure, there's a pressure right now to be positive and, and super happy about everything and be grateful for everything that, that idea of gratitude. And we cannot do that 24 seven. It's exhausting. So it's small chunks. Like for, you know, if you're going to go on Instagram before dinner, I, I challenge you to have five nice comments for people um, that sort of thing. So it's not, this constant pressure to be positive and grateful all the time. Right. Yeah, no, that breaks it down to a smaller, more achievable, um, and it's more authentic (laughs) experience. Okay. We're going to change, uh, change from positivity to a little less positive of a, of a topic, suicidality, Mm -hmm. which obviously is a component of, of mental health and suicide ideation. Um, there is the concern that if we bring up the topic of suicide, if we're really, really concerned about our child and we think that this is something we need to approach with them, there's a concern that if we raise it, we're putting the idea in their head. Um, that's not the case though, right? It's absolutely not the case. They have done decades worth of studies and asking about suicide does not make somebody suicidal. You cannot suggest that to somebody. The only way to stop suicide is to ask about suicide and not beat around the bush about it. And that's the tricky thing. We can't be afraid when we ask. If you're concerned about your child, here's the sort of three-step process you want to do, okay? You want to reflect what you're concerned about. Say that sometimes when people stress out or or, or upset about these things, they think about suicide and then ask them if that's something they're thinking about. Mm -hmm. So for example, your child failed their midterm. Johnny. I can see that you're really, really upset that you failed your midterm. Um, you know, you, you haven't been sleeping, you haven't been eating as much, you're worried about getting kicked off your team. Sometimes when people are really upset about something that's going on in their lives, they think about ending their lives. Is this something that you've thought about? So this three-step process makes it a little less intimidating because it's not coming out of the blue. Mm-hmm. You, are, you have a reason why you're asking. The, the child appreciates the fact that you notice that they're struggling. And then you're normalizing that it's okay to have those thoughts. You're not telling them it's okay to, to kill yourself. 
Right. You're saying it's okay to have these thoughts. And by saying that it's okay to have these thoughts, it means it, it, that you don't necessarily have to act on the thoughts either. That right. it's just things that think people think about, and then you can you know, follow up the conversation of how, they do, how people deal with those thoughts. The tricky thing is that parents get scared and it's normal to get scared because nobody wants their child to die. Mm -hmm. um, and it's really scary. So you wanna make sure you don't ask things like, you're not thinking about killing yourself, are you? Because when you ask in that way, you're asking the child to tell you that they're not suicidal whether or not they are. Mm -hmm. right. Sometimes parents ask, are you thinking about hurting yourself? And this is a tricky area too, because a lot of children engage in self-harm when they're upset. Mm -hmm. And that's very different than suicide. So you wanna be really clear about what you're asking about. You're not gonna give them the idea. And then if your child is thinking about suicide, you need to make your home safe. Mm -hmm. So again, um, I'm not here to talk about gun rights, but I will tell you that if your child is suicidal, it's time to get the firearms out of your home for a brief period of time. Mm -hmm. um, unfortunately, sitting on the child fatality review team has, has, has shown me that no matter how well you think that gun is locked up or the in fact you think your child does not have the combination to that gun lock, they always do. And it, and it's, it can be very tragic. Mm -hmm. But I also don't want parents to panic because a kid has suicidal ideation um, because, you know, I think the last study I read was from 2016 and over 12 million Americans admitted to having serious thoughts of suicide, serious thoughts, right? Mm -hmm. And that year, I think um, 47,000 people died by suicide. So you have 12 million people that said they had serious thoughts okay. and 47,000 people that died by suicide. So there's a huge gulf in having the thought and dying by suicide. So I don't want parents to panic, okay? Right but you do need to know that your child is struggling and you do need to get that child some support. And it's more than a, any parent, even a parent, you know, if my child was suicidal, I would take that child to somebody else, even though this is what I do every day, because they do need different support than parent. And it doesn't mean that you have failed as a parent. And it doesn't mean that you're doing anything wrong or that anybody's going to come and take your kids away. Right. What it means is your child is dealing with something in life that they need help dealing with. It's just like, a physical health problem. If your child was struggling with a disease or a breakage of a bone, right? You'd want, you take them to the doctor to get more support and healing. And that is what therapeutic health is like. Right. So, you know, there's nothing to be embarrassed about, but you do need to know where your kid is at. And, and are they just having a bad day or are they, they're thinking about ending their life? And I also want to remind parents that little kids can get suicidal too, elementary age kids, and they might not fully get what it means to die by suicide, but they get what, what, what you're hearing is that this child is in pain and is struggling and needs some support. Right. And that's what the, that's when, what the parents should hear when they hear that their kid is suicidal, that they're in pain, they're struggling and they need support. And that's really what suicidal thoughts are telling you. Right. And they're looking to end the pain mm -hmm. and, and thinking of suicide as a permanent solution to, to a temporary issue. It's just hard for them to see that it is temporary it's hard in, in their black and white kind of experience. Yeah. And I remind folks too, um, well, when any of us are, are struggling with something emotionally, we revert to a more primitive part of the brain, the emotional part of the brain, the, the amygdala, the hippocampus, we're thinking emotionally, we're not 
working from our prefrontal cortex, which is logic and reasoning and all that good stuff. Right. And young people in particular, that part of their brain, that prefrontal cortex isn't fully developed until their mid twenties anyway. Right. So they are more heavily relying on the emotional part of their brain. So what they're feeling is they're feeling emotional pain. They don't know how to stop it. They can't see a, an end to it. And like you said, they want the pain to end. They don't necessarily want to die, but the only way they can think of to end the pain is by dying. Right. So it's, it's, it's important to understand that level of emotion. Um, and it might seem really dramatic and it is really dramatic because that's where they're, that's where their brain's at. And it, it is amazing, you know, through the training I got to be on the, the hotline chat line. Um, it's amazing that power of reflecting back those emotions and, and, and saying to them, you know, I understand how much, or not that I understand, but you know, I can sense how much pain you are in and how you just want that, that pain to end. But when you can reflect back to them specific emotions beyond mad, sad, and glad, mm -hmm. um, it's just amazing, you know, on the phone, especially someone will go, yes, yes, that's exactly, I'm feeling hopeless. I'm feeling abandoned. I'm feeling dismissed. I'm feeling, you know, a more specific word than just, you sound really sad or you sound really frustrated or angry, but, um, and that feelings wheel, you know, that anyone can get online uh, that helps us dive down into some of those more specific emotions. But when people get the sense that, wow, you understand that I'm feeling this emotion, therefore that kind of normalizes it, you know, and there is someone, so maybe it, maybe I can kind of, you know, again, it's normal. And therefore I don't have to take this extreme of, of taking my own life. I, I, can, I can be understood. Um, and it's just amazing that power of being able to reflect back what, what you're hearing. You're not making anything up. You're just reflecting back what you're hearing in a more specific way and how that kind of takes that air out of their emotions and re-engages their prefrontal cortex a little bit and gets a little bit out of the emotion back into the thinking, right? Well, speaking of internet, um, you know, I, I, I really love the video and anybody can go, it's YouTube. You go to YouTube and you type in how to help a grieving friend. But I think this is, I think every parent should watch it. It's a five minute video. It's like a little video, um, little animated video, how to help a grieving friend. And what it talks about is acknowledgement and the power of acknowledgement. Because as parents, we have spent our children's whole lives fixing it and making them better and taking care of them. But when they're struggling emotionally, that's not what they need. They don't need us to fix it for them. Right. They need us to acknowledge their pain. So this is a great video about how to, to acknowledge and to, to the importance of that acknowledgement. I, I tell a great story. Um, I remember my son came home and my son is super cute. And you know, I know I'm a mom, but he said, oh, this girl sitting next to me said I was ugly today. So my first, I jump into my mom mode. So how could this girl see her ugly? You know, you know, I, I was thinking, but I was, I was quiet. We were walking the dog down the street and I was like, huh, how did that feel? He's like, I mean, you know, I kind of feel bad. Maybe I am ugly. I don't think I'm ugly. I'm like, okay. So tell me more about that. What do you think it's about? Well, I, the teacher just switched me to sit next to her and she's got a crush on this other kid that was originally sitting there. So maybe she's more mad about not sitting next to the guy she has a crush on than me being actually ugly. And it was like, just me keeping my mouth shut and not freaking out. Like, I just wanted to call her parents and be like, how could your child send my, my son's ugly? <laughs> right? Okay. I, was, I, I, was, I was like, that's what was going on in my brain. I was biting my tongue. I was like, okay. And like, tell me more about that. How did that make you feel? And then he was like, yeah, I guess I'm not ugly. It's all about her. I'm like, oh, all right, you go. Okay. And but you didn't it's, have 
solve yeah, it's it. It's about the acknowledgement. It, it, I didn't have to fix it. I didn't have to, you know, call her mom and, and fuss at her. Um, you know, so it, it does work and it, they like can work through their own issues, but just like saying, huh, that must've been difficult. Tell me more about that. You witness it. So you acknowledge it. He's also very insightful. So well, <laughs> you're raising a very uh, insightful kind of perception, you know, that he can kind of process that through. Uh, not um, all the time. Not all the time. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so what other, what other things folks can do to benefit their mental health? And this is across all ages. I and mean, we talked about self-care, but what are some of the, so, some of the forms that takes? Well, first of all, make it okay to not be okay. We were not born with superhero capes on our backs. We cannot be perfect all the time. We can have bad days. We can have, we can get overwhelmed and that's okay. Especially right now, it's a really overwhelming time. Mm -hmm. I think that we all need to think about how we take care of ourselves on a daily basis. And then also I encourage people to try something new. We have our fallbacks, right? Walking the dog, baking something um, or watching baking shows. I'm a big fan of the Great British Bake Off right now. <laughs> um, but it's important to incorporate and try new things so that we have a really big repertoire. Mm -hmm. um, and we might find something that brings us new joy to acknowledge that we don't have to be happy all the time, mm -hmm. that there are a lot of resources out there for when you're feeling overwhelmed and for when you're not feeling okay. Anybody can call their local hotline or the suicide prevention lifeline. You don't have to be suicidal to call your local hotline and literally spending 10 minutes talking about what's on your mind, mm -hmm. it works. It does make you feel better. Or, or going online, you know, um, going on chat to talk about it. It really does, Air, getting it out there, mm -hmm. it works. So, you know, voicing your concerns, talking about how bad you feel. It's like letting air out of an overexpanded balloon. It does give you some relief. Um, and then just, again, self-care. And then if you are really struggling, don't hesitate to seek out medical attention, a therapist, a counselor, mm -hmm. somebody go get assessed, go, go get evaluated. Um, a lot of times we feel like, well, we're not that bad. Right. But you don't sit home when you cut your hand open and be like, well, I'm bleeding but I'm not bleeding that much, you know? So maybe I don't need to go to the, the ER. I'm like, if you're bleeding pretty badly, you're gonna go get stitched up. And it's the same thing. I think what we say, well, I'm feeling badly, but I'm not feeling that badly. So maybe I don't need to go to a therapist yet. Right. Um, and right now it's now more than ever, it's, a, it's, an, it's so much easier for people to reach out for mental health support because a lot of it's done online. You don't have to drive anywhere. You know, you don't have to, um, you know, take two buses across town to get, get some help. You can, you can do it online. You can sit in your car if your house is too crowded and, and, and chat with a therapist for 45 minutes. And boy, it really does help. I mean, that's why the, there's the mental health community is out there. It's to support you. And they, it's, there's a lot of science behind how much it can really do when you're struggling. So tell me about some of those resources. It's great to say, go see a therapist, but sometimes people just don't even know where to start. How, how do I find one? And, and also to recognize that sometimes the first one you talk to may not be the right fit for you, right? It can, I, it can take a, a couple, which can be hard, but how do they go about, about finding a mental health professional? Well, um, two things. One, you can call your local hotline and they'll have um, community-based resources. If you don't have insurance, they'll have what resources are available in your community that you can reach out to. If you do have insurance, that's probably the best place to start to find out 
what your coverage is, and then who is in your network. Mm -hmm. um, um, I like psychology today. Um, find a counselor, find a therapist search because um, it has pictures and it tells you what their specialties are. But you're right. Um, you know, you might not be, a, the first person might not be a good fit. They, you might not like their style. You don't go to a store. I mean, nowadays, sometimes we order shoes online and then we get here and we're like, oh, they don't really feel that comfortable, but I ordered them online. I don't feel like sending them back. So I'm going to walk around in these uncomfortable shoes. No, that's not what therapy is for. You know, you're supposed to, it's supposed to, to help you. So if you're not comfortable with your therapist, I always say, first of all, let your therapist know it's not working for you. If you don't feel you can be open with them, if you don't feel like it's being helpful to you, give that therapist an opportunity to change their, their style or to take another, um, uh, use another tactic with you, um, give them the opportunity. But if it's still not working, find somebody else. Right. Maybe you're more comfortable talking to a man than a woman. Maybe you're comfortable talking to somebody older or younger, or maybe, you know, whatever it is, it's not a good fit for you, but find the right person. You're right. not going to go to a doctor that you don't like. It's the same thing. And you're not going to wear shoes that are uncomfortable or you shouldn't right. um, So find a pair of shoes that feels comfortable. Send those other shoes back, right? A review on Amazon, not good for feet that turn out or whatever you want to do, but get another pair of shoes that works because if you're going to go running to be help your health, you want comfortable shoes. And the same thing with therapy, right? You got to find the person that's going to make you feel comfortable that you can open up to. And that's a struggle too, because sometimes parents in particular, they choose a therapist for their child mm -hmm. and the therapist and the child feels like the therapist is working for the parents, for the parents yeah. right? Yeah. So again, I mean, there's not, there's always a struggle of who's available um, and what's covered by insurance. But again, you can get your kid involved in the process. This is a person that's here to support you. Would you feel comfortable talking to somebody older or younger? You know, I can't make any promises, but like I can try to find a woman for you, or I can try to find somebody who's older, like grandpa, or you want somebody young and hip old. I can't make any promises, but I will certainly look for that. If that's going to be something more comfortable for you. Mm -hmm. um, there's also a lot of online services like better help. And there's a lot of telemental health um, as well. So, you know, while, um, and, and I also um, encourage people to advocate with their insurance companies if they have insurance mm -hmm. for coverage or people that might be out of network, um, that might be a better fit. So it's not easy. It's a little bit of extra work, but um, as far as kids go, as much as you can involve them in the process, they feel like they have ownership over it and something that they're, it's part of for them. Right. So they're more likely to engage in it if they're part of the whole planning and, and selecting and that sort of thing. Yeah. You mentioned county hotlines. So how mm -hmm. do, I know you were with Every Mind, um, which is the, the DC, Maryland, DC, Virginia area. How do people find their hotlines in their areas? Um, well, first of all, you can call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. You don't have to be suicidal. And then you'll get your local center through them based on your phone number and then ask them for their local hotline number. Um, okay. you, can also, you can also look it up online. You can ask your county health department about it as well. Mm -hmm. But um, I like starting with the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline because there is a standard levels of the, of the, the centers. There's 160 nationwide and they're all they're in all different local, I think every state has one at least. Mm -hmm. um, so they'll know the local resources, but they have the, the folks at the center has to meet certain levels of accreditation. So you can start with them and um, find your local resources. And you could talk to them. You don't have to be suicidal about what's on your mind and then ask for connections to um, local resources because you will get a local center. Okay. All right. And reminding them that they don't have to be in the active form of, of wanting to commit suicide to, to contact this line. If, if yeah. you if you need 
uh, connection with someone to talk to about something of high emotion, it's, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> and there's crisis text line. That's a great thing to give kids. Um, the lifeline portal, everybind.org has a backslash chat has their own chat portal. Um, give them those resources too. They might be sitting next to you on the couch, watching a football game, chatting with somebody who's making a difference in their life and you might not even know it. So um, having these resources that they can reach out to that are free and easily accessible are great and should be, you know, every kid who's got a cell phone should have like lifeline and, and chat portals and text line bookmarked in there. So that's available for them. They have it ready. Cause you never know, you, you never think about that you're going to be in crisis one day. You can't plan for it, right? right? So if you already have it in your phone, and this is something for everybody, not just kids. If you already have Lifeline in your phone or your local hotline number in your phone, and you don't have to call it hotline, you know, if people scrolling through, you can call it Uncle Bob for all I care. <laughs> um, but if Uncle Bob's in there and you know when you're having a bad day, you can call Uncle Bob, you know, it's already in there. Um, it's sort of prevention. It's sort of like, you know, that aspirin or that apple a day. You may right. never need it, but it's there if you, if you do. Well, what a great idea because it normalizes the fact that people need it, need these things. Um, for those people local in the area, a uh, little bit about how they might be able to reach out and support EveryMind. Sure. Uh, so if you're interested in the hotline, we're 301-738-2255. We are 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We are free. We are confidential. We also have chat. You can also text that number um, between 8 a.m. and midnight every day. And then we have chat 8 a.m. to midnight. Uh, every-mind.org backslash chat. And to learn more about our organization or to support us, the work we do, we're a nonprofit, is every-mind.org. Um, we also have lots of education opportunities. There's mental health first aid. So um, we go out to PTAs and school groups all the time to talk about these issues. So if you want more information, just go there. And if you want somebody local, just contact your local Lifeline Center and they'll hook you up with their uh, your most local service. But they do go by your phone number. So if you live in Nebraska and your area code is uh, <laughs> is um, San Francisco, you're going to get the San Francisco uh, Center versus the Nebraska Center. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, I can say firsthand, it's a phenomenal group of people who, who man the hotline and the chat line. And um, uh, the work they're doing there is just amazing and my my favorite part is when i'm the next shift is kind of come on they send a text saying hey i'm logging on you know hope you had a good shift what are you going to do to go take care of yourself and it's like so nice to have that person kind of reminding me you know self-care 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 <laughs> so um that's the message for everybody rachel i cannot thank you enough um just so many great little tips um common sense and i really hope that um, I'm certain that your just this conversation is of benefit to, to so many parents and, and our youth. So thank you for taking the time. And uh, thank you for having me. Parenting <laughs> is the hardest job out there. Running right. a hotline is nothing compared to being a parent. It's really hard. So thank you for yeah. providing these podcasts. For so you know, we, we don't get any, we don't get a degree before we're handed the jobs. So <laughs> no. It's okay to reach out for, for help. Um, yeah. So thank you so much. Really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you. I'd like to thank Rachel Larkin, Director of Crisis Prevention and Information Services at EveryMind, which is a participant in the National Suicide Prevention Hotline Program. The number for the national hotline that Rachel mentions is 1-800-273-8255. You can learn more about EveryMind at every-mind.org. Also, be sure to check out the hundreds of resources on PEP's website, pepparent.org, 
including details on PEP's upcoming live online programs, on-demand videos, blog posts, and many other resources as parents face the challenges of everyday parenting life. If you like what you're hearing on these podcasts, please share them with your friends and family. Thank you for joining us today. I'm Robbie Fox with the Parent Encouragement Program, reminding each of us that it takes courage to be imperfect, especially when it comes to parenting.